Welcome to It's a People Thing. I'm Craig Gordon, Managing Partner, RTM for Leadership and Executive Search. And I'm Marian Anderson. I'm a VP of Global People and Culture, and I'm also a geeky academic studying a PhD in leadership and international HR. We have been besties for what, 20 years? Yeah, definitely. And on top of that, we've also been colleagues. And here we are, two Scots in the US. Each episode, we want to aim to be concise and as bite-sized as much as possible. Chatting and sharing, usually over cocktails, what's happening in the people space right now. From time to time, we'll have some industry guests join us and kind of share their insights and chat about what's going on in their world. I'm excited for our guest speaker for this episode, a colleague and a dear friend of mine for over 20 years, Jackson David. He is the former head of talent at CityBlock. So looking forward to obviously hear his insights and feedback on what we're going to share with you today. So, subscribe to the podcast. And if you love it, share it. Happy listening. I've got an exciting topic this Mm -hmm. session. We've had, I've had a couple of candidates and some of my kind of networks, you know, we've been discussing this and it's kind of been top of mind for me as well. Want to get your thoughts. Impact of remote working and organizational culture. So I was reading an article the other day and it had mentioned that FlexJobs had said that 65% of individuals on a survey had mentioned that they would prefer to keep working remotely after the pandemic, which was quite a large number. And I was thinking the other day before, when we think about remote working in our organization, from our side of it, it was predominantly a lot of recruiters because they were going to be based regionally, et cetera. And then I was also thinking about some of the sales teams that were going to be field-based. But I think now, obviously, as we come out through the pandemic, there has obviously been a significant shift in the amount of people working remotely. And I've even felt it myself. In the earlier days when I'd worked remotely, I may be in one part of the country, but the remaining recruitment team may all be in the one office. So there was definitely a sense of not belonging. And obviously, I obviously felt that there was an area where I could obviously try and improve to be more engaged, but I couldn't because of obviously where I was geographically. So one of the things I think has been standing out for me is like, how do we create an authentic connection as well? And how do we master that? Uh, A lot of my clients have been asking that question, Mm -hmm. you know, based on a lot of the roles being remote now, and then particularly the push that we've got. I think the other thing I was noticing as well, the leaders in a lot of organizations, they are going to have to think about how they can boost morale. So these were some of the kind of questions and kind of feedback I've had from my clients. I think the engagement piece is really critical. And that's one of the things a lot of my clients had asked me yesterday in particular about, look, Craig, we're hiring this position, but how do we engage them early on in the process? So there's been a lot of feedback that I've had. And I thought obviously having each of you guys been able to kind of share with me Mm -hmm. from your perception. So, Marion, what's your thoughts? I mean, obviously, in the role as, you know, VP of people and culture, I'd love to hear, and I'm sure obviously our listeners would, what your thinking is around that. It's a really interesting time in the workplace because for the first time in, well, ever, you know, we've had the widest spread of generations, different generations in the workplace. So we still have baby boomers, you know, the kind of latter end baby boomers that are maybe not quite retired yet through Gen Xs like us through millennials, and now we have our Gen Z. If you kind of read into generational preferences, um, your research around that, there's loads of really good stuff in there that helps us understand the psyche of these employees and what's meaningful to them and what's important. 
And I think I work in an industry where, you know, we have a lot of employees who are millennial, who are Gen Z. And the Gen Zs have really just entered the workplace now. They're coming into it now and they're entering during a pandemic. So some of these, these new employees have never worked in an office before. You know, they may have had part-time jobs when they were at school, but they've never worked um, in a professional office environment and they've gone straight to working at home. That must be really tough. Because if you think about how we adapted in the workplace, you know, we learned from others, we learned through observing, we learned through osmosis by breathing the same air as people, you know, it does um, make you think, gosh, it's a lot for this generation to really understand and to, to feel comfortable in. I think as well, this is a digital native generation. So yeah, they're really used to using technology, but everybody needs human connection. So it's definitely an interesting time and it's something that us as people leaders need to really give a lot of thought to as to how we can help our different generations feel connected to each other, feel connected to the business, and make sure that they have everything they need to feel like they belong. Question then, so when you came into your role, you were mm. just before the pandemic, like what are some of the things that you've had to implement based on maybe the feedback that you've had from the team and getting a greater engagement and making sure everyone's aligned? Yeah, I mean, we've grown massively over this last couple of years, well, the pandemic, not just in the US, but globally. So that's brought a lot of different challenges in terms of not just integrating and connecting a team, you know, a, a team in one country, but a team across multiple countries with different cultural norms, different time zones. You know, for us, it's been a lot about getting back to basics, uh, a lot about coming up with activities, opportunities to learn, opportunities to engage, where we get to understand each other, where we get to learn about each other's cultures, each other's norms. We've done, been doing a lot of work around DEIB. It's very important to our organisation. And I think by having a real focus on these things, using technology to help us feel connected, to, to link us together, you know, these are the things that have really helped us bond. You know, and it's all sorts of fun things that you can do, whether it's, you know, cooking classes, cocktail classes. We've done trivia nights. We've done all sorts of, you know, virtual escape rooms, you know, things like that, just to help us have fun, laugh, and find ways to bond. What do you think, Jackson? Well, I would just, you know, agree with Marion on the approach there. I mean, I joined much like Marion City Book Health at the at, before the pandemic, and meeting um, the talent function in a high growth environment. We went from 220 employees to over a thousand this past January of 2022, and uh, spent three, two and a half months in the office, and then pandemic hit, and then we all went remote. Now. I, you know, I've, I've worked remote and led remote teams since 2005. So it wasn't a big adjustment for myself, but I knew at that time when we, when we had dedicated at least six months remotely, and then we'd have to adjust from there, um, that creating consistency in the way in which we interacted with our team members and how we kept them engaged, being really thoughtful about the checking in with them on a regular basis, holding Yes, your regular weekly stand-ups, which we were doing every Monday for 15 minutes is around Robin, um, implementing agile methodologies in our meetings, which is popcorn rounds and like fun activities. And like Marion said, creating fun activities outside of like the traditional meetings mm -hmm. is really important. And also just being very empathetic as to what people were going through, adjusting to the work from home, even to the point where, you know, one of the great things that our company did was giving everybody stipends to be able to buy product for their home offices, whatever that was for them, everyone got the same amount. 
We still do that for new hires now today. And that was fantastic. So there has been a significant adjustment. I empathize with Gen Z, which I have nieces and nephews that are joining the workforce and they have not been in an office environment before. And there is something that will that will be interesting to see how that plays out in their work behavior going forward. But it does put the onus upon the leadership and the organization from the C-suite down, especially in the people function, to figure out how to solve for that. One of the things that could be interesting is that if companies decide, okay, we're going to keep people remote, A, it's a great attractor. You open up your talent pools, which was big for us being mostly in New York. We then could then hire engineers in as far west as California or Oregon or whatever, and it didn't really matter. So that was really beneficial for us to attract and hire great talent more quickly. But there is something to be said for like, what do you do to keep engagement high and to keep morale high, right? If we're decreasing our expenditures on office space, do you that does the company then use that money to hold quarterly or biannual like big events where people come and have huge memorable moments together where they walk away from a three, two or three day event as a company offsite and they're just, it's an amazing thing, right? I think those sorts of things, if those, if that's the way companies decide to go, are really gonna have to be done very well and super impactful if you wanna you know, keep engagement high and retention high. I think one of the things that I picked up and each of you were talking about too is from a technology perspective as well. Mm-hmm. I was reading the other day that some of the organizations, particularly some of the tech startups, particularly in hypergrowth, they were talking about quality of video and the audio. Mm-hmm. So going back to your point about investing and sending them a stipend that allows them to have a quality, whether they have the microphone mm. or the better camera. So there's a better engagement level because there's know, so many. Or, or even just a better desk chair or, yeah. or the right type of like sub keyboard or whatever they need for them. I mean, they were left to decide that and they were given, you know, ideas and we had meetings to ideas share about that. The technology thing is really important. I mean, what happened to Zoom? Zoom exploded mm. during the pandemic. Good for them, right? And, and I think it's a wonderful tool. We're using it today. It also presents another problem though, because like Marion said earlier on, we have a multi-generational workforce. All that we have baby boomers on one side, we've got Gen Z on the other. Baby boomers and some more senior Gen Xers that I have seen, when they went remote, they needed help and guidance to use the tools and training to use those tools so they could have a, you know, a good work experience. So that presented a unique problem in there. And we have to be mindful of that as we continue to hire people that may not have used these tools before, whether it's Slack or Zoom or whatever it may be. And provide that training and onboarding essentially in the first 30 days to you know, get them set up for success. Um, another thing that I, I think, Mary, and I'd love to hear your point of view on this is that I've seen a, obviously the pandemic has a behavioral or mental health impact on all of us in various ways. I do think that hopefully as we move out of the pandemic, that will start to ease and people will get the support they need, et cetera. But depending on what your home life is like, working from home could actually present unique, other unique challenges, right? Where in on one hand, you love it, because there's flexibility and uh, you don't have a commute. But if you're a single person, right, or your partner goes to their job and you're at home all day, that could create other unique challenges, right? So as employers and as managers of people, we have to be very mindful of that and keep an ear to the ground and ask open-ended questions of our team members to check in with them and see how they're doing. And then if we feel like someone's facing burnout or they've been sitting at their desk for eight hours is to like recognize it in the moment, stop the meeting, say, Hey, let's push this out. Why don't you, here's, here's a Venmo of $10, go to Starbucks, leave the house, see you tomorrow. And like, just be very mindful of those things, especially for 
people that are having some challenges potentially working at home so much. That's a good point. Because back to the beginning when I was mentioning about I personally have been doing this for so long that having a look at that nine to five day has very much changed and has even for me. However, I've noticed in certain functions mm-hmm. like the marketing or even the finance individuals that are now at home, mm-hmm. they have to be more structured around nine to five. But I think it's around a lot of leaders being able to say, look, you can attend the meetings when you need to, but find a balance, obviously, with the family. Because a lot of people are back in maybe different types of homes. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be they now have taken their childcare and had brought the childcare back in-house, mm-hmm. even with their dogs as well. Some companies are having to adapt to that. It has been interesting because I think when I talk and assess different candidates, I'm getting a different, it's like a learning curve they're all going through, isn't mm-hmm. it? And I don't even think they've they've kind of mastered it as yet. Manny, one thing I was thinking about, it came up, and obviously with your business too, because I've obviously been fortunate enough to, you know, partner with you, is some of the interactions. So when you think about town halls or you think about collaborative meetings and you see all the faces on the screens, because that does obviously contribute straight away to engagement piece. I was reading the other day again, and I seem to be quite the, what's that word you call with the bookworm? I'm reading up a couple of magazines. And I was reading about some of the technology they're using around Miro. Uh, I think it's Miro, Vibe, and Stormboard. Mm-hmm. So it's like these interactive whiteboards. Yeah. Now, I've used them a couple of times, but with your business, you know, obviously having, you know, a vast number of different functions, particularly within creative. Have, is your organization used anything like that to get a kind of greater engagement maybe amongst the creatives? I'm not sure exactly what tools they may use for driving engagement as a team, you know, within a sub team, but certainly learning and development are very much pioneering with different tools that can be used to maximize interaction, maximize engagement in lots of different ways. Padlet is a great one, which is a very simplistic tool that you can access, which allows you, what's that whiteboard thing, right? Zoom has added multiple features where you can integrate a lot of things as well as a Slack. So I think it is. I think being tech savvy is important. There's no getting away from that. We're never going backwards. So we're we're in a world of, of digital natives. So being tech savvy is important. Although going back to the mental health point, the amount of tech that we're now relying on, I think can become overwhelming. Even in my team, you know, across L&D, people, operations and talent, we use multiple tech platforms. Mm -hmm. And even I, who am pretty tech savvy, I even I start to feel a little bit burnt out with them all. So I think there's a lot to be said around how important technology is. But I also think we can just get overwhelmed by it. I completely agree with that. There are so many... (laughs) tools out there now readily available to everybody. A lot of them, you mentioned three, they're basically the the same, provide the same services. And I think that will continue. We need to be mindful of like, you know, just adding tools to the toolkit doesn't solve for everything that you're trying to solve for. It gives an opportunity to enable something, but it doesn't necessarily solve for the feelings within people's work, right? So you have to be very mindful of that. We use a Zoom Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, quite often. And one of the things that we do uh, is we have open dialogue around brainstorming. Uh, and we also give people room and time to, you know, discuss and to talk. And one of the things that we also do to, to collaborate, I would say, is we're collaborating quite a lot um, through Slack and then through mm-hmm. our G Suite, right? Through like a presentation documentation or a, a G Sheet doc. 
um, and usually in real time, right? So we may brainstorm for an hour. And I think that's very effective. And then one other thing is that we really, we really encourage people to like leave their camera on, or if they are going to leave and go get a water or have, take a bio break, that they let people know, right? Hey, I'm jumping out to go take a bio break or to grab some water or to let the dog out or whatever. So people know kind of what's going on. And it's just like communicating. Do you know one thing it was just coming up as we were talking there is when we talk about this impact of remote working, right? On the culture. What about this hybrid model? And I know this could be a whole other topic for another session, but just, you know, the next kind of five couple of minutes, talk about that maybe. What about the hybrid model and how that impacts? So, for example, right now we have a, a senior role for one of our clients. They're saying, right, it's a kind of two to three days. So we're taking someone out of being in their home office for a year and a half and bringing them back in. I'm wondering how we think about that. What's your thoughts, Marion? I think it's a really interesting thing to consider. This last year, where I've supported our leadership team to devise our plan for bringing employees back or not. And what became very clear very quickly was that teams have adjusted, you know, employees have adjusted to being at home. Some love it, some not so much, some want vary. You know, they like to have a bit of a change each day. Everybody has different things that, that help motivate them, drive them, make them feel good. And I think the thing is that when you start to mandate three days in, two days out, employees start to feel restricted by that. And to be honest, if we talk about EVP, you know, um, employee value proposition, having real maximum flexibility around how you work and when you work to many is really important. So where smaller organisations don't have the massive bank accounts to keep driving up salaries, they're going to lean to, into other things to help maximise that EVP and maximum flexibility is one of them. So I think it's something that employers need to really bear in mind. They have to really think about what is it I want to achieve here? You know, is, is attraction retention? If these things are really important, you have to think about widening your parameters and softening your approach to remote and hybrid working, because if, you, if you're if you too prescriptive, you're going to struggle to retain and attract talent. Sorry, let me take a sip of my wine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what I would say is that uh, I do think that companies are going to find, they're going to have to decide where, where they stand in this. Are they going to be fully remote? Are they going to have a hybrid model? What does that look like? I agree with Marion. I've said this for really many years and that I think that where employers have a chance to really win on retention and attraction is to curate experiences for their employees by allowing them to decide the hours in which they work and where they work, right? You have introverts and you have extroverts and they need different things. You have Gen Z, you've got Gen X, you've got you know, uh, millennials and so forth and, uh, and so on. So I think to Marion's point, I think that's the best approach personally. I haven't, I don't know who's out there thinking this already. I think there's some companies that are certainly looking at the roadmap for you know, the coming years. And at the end of the day, depending on your, you know, the area of you know, the space in which your business operates, if you're um, a SaaS company versus let's say a, a retailer, I mean, in some cases you may not have options uh, as, as clear of options, but I do think that the new job of the people function, whether it's talent, learning and development or people ops or, or HR business partners, the job is now going to be how do we curate experiences for the individual? Everyone should be fair, comp, you know, fairly compensated, all those things. That's going to increase their attraction ability as well as the retention. So at the end of the day, I mean, it all comes down to performance as well. So if you give that flexibility, right, and you give that um, Susie, can, Susie can choose to work on Mondays if she wants to in the office and the rest of the days are at home. And then let's say Mary chooses, you know, three days in the office because that's her preference. At the end of the day, if the performance is there, 
does it really matter? So I think it will be upon the people function also to really make sure that they are identifying what does good and great performance look like and really nail down the performance management for a remote workforce. And that's that I think that's going to be the key. Yeah. And I think the other piece is rounded the education, isn't it? It's that whole learning around some of the leaders that are in place right now. Like they're going through a huge learning curve. And I can hear that when I speak with them because mm-hmm. they're saying to me, you know, how do we approach this? How do we message it even at the attraction stage? So when we're going after candidates and engaging them, mm-hmm. candidates are now actually asking these questions. Like, what is the culture? Has the culture changed? It's funny. One of my startup clients the other day was like, I kind of like, I defined the culture with my, you know, how one of the CEOs said, I sat with my head of people, we defined it two and a half years ago, but now that we're in a hyper growth stage and now coming out of a pandemic, he said, we've had to really think about how we define it more. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, I mean, this conversation, we could go on for days and days. This has been insightful. Loved it. I'm looking forward to our next chat. Thank you, Marion. Thank you, Jackson. For the record, I'm not the only one having wine right now. I don't want people to think that I'm an alcoholic. So thank you. I know. I'm totally on my second glass <laughs> of rosé. So. Well, with yeah. me living out in the desert here, it's, it's ready for any. We don't want it. you to dry up. You have to drink all the, all the white wine that's well, possible. Any, <laughs> what do they always say? Any time is martini time in the desert. Well, listen, thank you to both. <laughs> Looking forward to our next chat. Take care. Bye. Bye.